Welcome back to Third Base Dugout episode 111. Triple ones. One, one, one. Um, playoffs are right around the corner. Playoffs are actually this week. So if you're listening to this, we're, so we're recording this on Monday night. Playoffs could have been set tonight. Um, Team-wise, actually can, can be, I believe. Um, because the... Phillies are up on the Astros right now, and the Diamondbacks are beating the Brewers currently. So, um, if the Phillies win, Brewers lose. The Phillies are in, Brewers are out. So, we will have our um, our 12 teams for the playoff. But the seedings will not be set probably until at least tomorrow. Because, um, obviously, we've got Braves-Mets, which we'll talk about that. Um and then we will also, I believe, isn't there still a chance that the Phillies can be the two seed, like the two, the second wild card seed? Am I wrong about uh, that? Because I think the Padres are two games up before today. Yeah, that I think that's where they're. Pretty, mm, I think it's like a out, very outside chance, but the Padres are only a game above the Phillies. Is that heading into tonight? That is currently. Okay, so yeah, it's still possible. So that is still uh, available. Seattle is only two games up on Tampa Bay, and Seattle's playing right now against the Tigers. Tampa Bay, um, I think they might have played earlier. They did. They lost to the Red Sox. So um, that might, I think that might have clinched it for Seattle, getting that second wild card spot. So really all we're waiting on is Braves Mets and Phillies Padres. And other than that, our playoffs are set. So before we get started, though, make sure you go follow us on Twitter at Third Base Dugout. Um, and gents, what a fun weekend that was! Uh, just a, like one playoff, like it was, it was basically a playoff series this weekend. Braves and Mets in Atlanta, uh, down at Truist Park, and the Braves swept all three. Took the biggest game of the biggest series of the season, and took all three games. Yeah, and it wasn't like they went through any slouches to get there. You know I mean? You go through DeGrom, Scherzer, and Bassett, you know, who are the top three guys you think will line up in uh, an actual series, um, you know, so to sweep and to go through those three guys, and it wasn't like the Mets bullpen blew it late or anything. No, they got to, you know, all three guys and won it. Um, impressive for sure. Um, and just kind of – you know, build some some of that anticipation that they could possibly meet in like the second round. Yeah, it's it, the atmosphere there was seriously oh, no, like they, a playoff. My bad, I'm sorry, I stand corrected. They could only meet in the NLCS. Correct. Yes, sorry, correct. So the right as it stands right now, the Mets would have to go through the Padres in the wild card round and then the Dodgers and the DS, and then the Braves or Cardinals or Phillies in the um, ALC and the NLCS. So um, – Wait, I'm sorry. Can you – I feel like you read that wrong. I feel like you read that side of the bracket wrong. You said the Mets would have to go through the Padres as it stands now, right? They would have to go through the Padres in the wild card round. Uh-huh. And then they would play the Dodgers. Uh-huh. And then they would play the whoever comes out of the other side. So it'd be Braves, Cardinals. No, no it's only the it's only the Cardinals on that side. 
It's only, <laughs> it's only the Cardinals. I have full faith, and we'll talk about that <laughs> later, but I have full faith in, in the Cardinals. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so, I mean, big-time stuff from the Braves, though. I mean, Dansby Swanson and Matt Olson hit, hit home runs in all three games. Um, DeGrom left with a blister injury after giving up, I believe, three runs. Um, and that is now eight runs in his last 10 innings pitched, which is not ideal for the best pitcher in baseball heading into the postseason. Um, so it's not, it's not panic time by any means for the Mets because they didn't win 98 games on accident. Um, they're going to potentially be a hundred win team if they win two games tomorrow against the nationals. So it's not like, uh, it's not like they just fluking into the playoffs or almost fluked into a division win. But um, they might have a long road to hoe to even match up with the Braves again, considering they got to face off with a 110-plus win Dodgers team. Yeah, I agree. I agree, Brian, when you're saying it's – I mean, this season, series didn't make or break their season. Obviously, they are still 90, 98 wins. They're still a good team. But this series does make me kind of scared. And if I were a Mets fan, I would be, I would be masking my nervousness. In a way, I'd say I'd be saying, "Oh, they didn't. We 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 didn't like. I mean, obviously, they they can't say that they didn't think this series meant anything, but they're going to say something along the lines of, "Oh, we're already in the playoffs. We're, you know, we already got what we want." But obviously, I don't I don't think you can I I don't think you can say that this series didn't mean anything. They didn't they didn't take it seriously. I mean, it's just the best way to tell if you're ready or not for the playoffs, and especially yeah. away from home. The electricity in Atlanta, I think, I think, I mean, I might, I might give away an L pick here, but that place just seems too scary to go to if I was any other team in the National League. And the Mets should be terrified. I mean, it's, I mean, that was a big reason why they won it all last year was because of the atmosphere there. I mean, you got to think when, um, the Dodgers were in town, and I think they had like second and third. Matzik comes in with nobody out. I think Braves were up, but like a run. Matzik comes in, faces three straight, and punches them all out. I mean, that's well, a lot of that is feeding off the atmosphere at that point. So, um, feeding off the energy of the crowd and everything. So, I mean, just, uh, just an unbelievable environment this weekend. A phenomenal matchup between the two teams and i mean no matter i mean the nl is a very stacked league this year um because i mean even the phillies can do a little bit of damage they can hit they can't pitch they can hit might be able to take a game from you when aaron Aaron nola or or zach wheeler pitches but otherwise i mean they probably won't be able be able to do much because their bullpen still stinks but again story for another day Um, I i think what we what we've seen though in that Braves Mets series was the Mets are metting. Their offense for as good as they've been all year. Down the stretch they haven't been that hot, but it I guess it just kind of came later than than what you would have assumed from their offense. Because it always seems like, hey, if the Grom's throwing they just try to score one run, you know, and that kind of filtered down to even at times when Scherzer was pitching. It's like, hey, if we can get one, we feel like we have a chance to win. Um, but, like, their offense is sputtering. 
and it's not necessarily the greatest place to be. And I'm telling from from watching the Cardinals right now. But I think that what we've seen in that series is um, one, the Braves offense is so much more dynamic and explosive. Um, but I think that the Mets just are going to met. So probably will. They probably will. Um, let's talk into the other storyline of the weekend. Aaron Judge hit his 61st home run of the season, tying Roger Maris's at AL record. Um, it's not the MLB record, so screw off, Yankees fans. Um, Barry Bonds holds that record, then Mark McGuire, then Sammy Sosa, then so on. Um, but then Mark McGuire again, and Sammy Sosa again. Yeah, all those guys did it better than Judge. Um, however, th- with less, um, should I say, integrity. But um, – a little less integrity there. Uh-uh. All right, all right. We'll, <laughs> we'll hold off on this conversation because that can go. That can take us down a deep, deep rabbit hole. No, I. Okay, so either you can choose to go down it now, or go down it later. Go but down we're in gonna, the off season. We can go down all these rabbit holes. No, because what I tell you last week. What I tell you last. Week, I know we we need more. We need more rabbit holes. Roger Maris Jr. is tweeting now, Brian. We need to talk about this now. Yes, rabbit hole <laughs> has been entered. Um, what you said about the Yankees fans, I think that particularly goes for Roger Maris. Like, for one, I, the problem I have with his presser about it, first of all, why they're having a press conference with him baffles me. But second of all, like, just give Judge his credit, right? Like, you don't have to throw shade at everybody else. But if you still look at it, hey, even if you say that these guys play with uh, performance enhancing drugs, PEDs, steroids, whatever you want to call them, it did not make them hit the ball any better than what they did before. Yes, the balls went further. <laughs> it was more exciting, but it wasn't like it still took hand eye coordination. It still took being a great bat to ball hitter, you know, to do so. But like I said, it that's the problem I had with Maris Juniors was, you know, throwing the shade at other people because then you're taking the light off of Aaron Judge and what he's on the brink of accomplishing. You know, you should just – he could have easily said, hey, you know, Mayor, uh, Judge is a Yankee that my dad would be proud to have break his record. You know, those type of things. But to throw shade at other people that aren't even playing anymore that in a lot of ways by baseball relevancy, you know, are they are who they are. You know, but like I said, just to go that extra mile, that rubbed me the wrong way. First of all, I didn't really want to see a presser with him in it anyway. It's not like you played, right? Like, um, Judge's son has just as many home runs as you. I don't even know if Aaron Judge has any kids. So why are you even talking about him? So. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't like – I think it's just all for show with Maris being a part of this. Um it's like the media basically begged him to be a part of it. Um, and now he's just kind of in the center of it all. Um, what Judge has been doing is unbelievable. Like he's close to winning a triple crown if he has some spectacular run here in the last three days. Um, he obviously 61 home runs is quite something. Um, and the Yankees are in first place. So, and I feel like people are taking away that greatness of a season because of all of the 
storylines and how much the media is paying attention to it, which, okay, don't get me wrong. I love that the media is paying attention to it, but like you're turning people off of baseball by switching to it in the middle of like football games. Cause you're, it's now like you're basically pissing off baseball, uh, football fans. And if you, those are the people that you want to come over to baseball, you're not going to do that. Um, and for a AL record, not even an MLB record, just doesn't make any sense. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't like how they, I don't like how MLB is handling this. No, and I definitely get it though, because there's a lot of college football fans who are highly irritated when the Yankees play a day game. You know, Alabama could be driving, and it's a lot of pissed off uh, Alabama natives. You know that don't really care any much, don't care much at all about Aaron Judge or baseball or the Yankees that are missing, you know, a drive because it's not like they're just showing a pitch or two. They're showing a full at bat. A baseball at bat can last a while. Um, so they're missing like half a drive or half a quarter <laughs> watching, yeah, watching it's, him swing. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Do you think uh, do you think they'd show as much coverage if it wasn't the Yankees? If he nah, wasn't on the Yankees. No. Nah. Not a chance. If it, and especially the fact it's a Yankee breaking another Yankee record, right? Like if it was some other guy that was breaking it, I don't think it would be as much coverage. Um, But yeah, the other downside I see to this is the fact now that when I open my YouTube page, I see more teacher man hitting videos, and it drives me nuts. (laughs) It drives me nuts. Like and I and I I get irritated at myself for watching like a full clip. It's not like I'm like clicking on his videos and watch like the five minute or whatever it is. It's like the little shorty videos. But he's like, oh, I teach diagonal bat paths, and I was like, what? What is that? Like, oh gosh. So yes, I I still feel like that every time that a parent pays him, he should be arrested for fraud and larceny and all of the other things that go into it. And I was actually telling my wife, who knows very little about baseball, like most of her baseball has come from being married to me. But I'm like, you're trying to teach a kid that is like five foot six to do something that a six foot eight guy is doing. I think that's the problem I have with it, because I don't think that Aaron Judge is necessarily having a quote unquote diagonal bat path. It's just that he's having to create an angle to be able to hit, because even with him standing in the box, in some ways, he's still eye to eye with a pitcher that is standing on the mound. Yeah, I was going right? to say not to mention he's an abnormally sized human and right. and of obscene strength. So it's right. <laughs> how much how much is a one degree bat path difference going to be? Like how much is that going to change the outcome of the power yeah. he puts into a ball? No, and it's. Like I said, it's just the teaching part of it. Oh, I teach the go back half because the one that the video I'd seen, the last one I seen was like, he's like, well, if, if you foul it off, it's either going to go out of play or if he's like, if you don't hit it perfect, it may be a foul ball or it may be a blooper to right or a blooper to left, depending on your handedness of a hitter. But I'm like, why are you trying to teach kids something? Baseball, hitting a baseball is one of the hardest things to do in sports by itself. Right. But now you're adding a level of difficulty to it that makes no sense. Why not teach? Yes. Getting on plane with the ball is is important. Get on there. Get on plane early so you can hit through the ball. But you're trying to teach them diagonal. I'm like, you have so many kids that 
like there's gonna be a lot of pissed off parents in like three years when little Timmy grows up and he's like, so he's five foot two now, but he's five foot six in the seventh grade. And <laughs> little Timmy's hitting a whole bunch of pop-ups to the first baseman. And he's like, teacher man said, dying to go bat path. And then he's going to be like <laughs> that. The funniest part of it is that his middle school coach, instead of doing a diagonal line, he's going to do a horizontal line through his name when he cuts him from the roster. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. So, yes. Um, okay, teacher man is not good to teach anything. <laughs> so, um, Yeah, we'll see if he hits 60. I don't think he's going to hit number 62 at this rate. Um, he didn't tonight, so he's got two chances left. No, three, three. They got a doubleheader have, tomorrow. Oh, do they? So yeah. they, have, they have four. They have a four-game series in the season. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. I, well, I think he'll get it. Uh, I think he'll get it. I'll just leave it at that. But I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Look, so I know this guy's name isn't on the list whatsoever, and Brian. I'm not going to hijack this whole moment. Just a part of it. Um. Albert hit 703 today. Yep. He also it's like every time this man swings a bat and hits, he's breaking another record. Um today he hit his 263rd go ahead home run which broke the tie with Barry Bonds at 262. Um so now he's the all-time leader in go ahead home runs and he's currently one RBI short of um it's either one of tying or one of passing. He had two RBIs tonight, so it's one short of tying Babe Ruth for the second most RBIs of all time. Hmm. So, man, he also, you know, uh, so today was his 79th career home run on a Monday, which is too shy of uh, Barry Bonds and Babe Ruth to lead MLB history with 81. Yeah, like. It's the guy's amazing, man. But good. I'd say he's pretty good. Yeah. And I don't know if any of the listeners are, I know a few listeners that probably got a chance to watch it. The uh, ceremony that the Cardinals did on Sunday for um, Yachty and Albert, <laughs> definitely a cool uh, emotional moment, you know, in a lot of ways for a long-term fan. Uh, but I still think the coolest moment, even though it came out when he was losing in the game was how, um, Ali Mamal pulled Wainwright, but he let the three of them walk off together. So when he pulled Wainwright from the game, he had um, Yadi and Albert Pujols, who started at first, walk off the you know the field with him. So they all three of them got a standing ovation at the same time, which was which is pretty cool. Kind of reminds you of when um, Pettit and Jeter and Posada pulled uh, Mo in his last game. So definitely was in the fields this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, that was though I thought that was very classy the way they had that set up for yeah. for the three of them. For sure. For sure. All right, um I got a little trivia for you guys. Two things that popped into my head today. One came across my timeline, one popped in my head today. Um Are we ready for number 1? Yes. All right. Who was the first baseball player to have an average annual value of 1 million dollars? Average annual. Mm-hmm. That was way before Stan's time. 
Reggie this Jackson? Is, this is this going to be Mike. Yeah, I was going to say this is going to be a, a Mike answer. No. Wasn't Reggie? No. Am I close? Time period, yeah. Uh, I feel like it, if it wasn't Reggie, then it had to be a pitcher. Is it a pitcher? Was it a pitcher? <laughs> Okay. It's a pitcher. Mm, trying to think. So that would have been late 70s. I don't know. The name just popped in my head, but it doesn't seem right because he was a reliever. But Dennis Hackersley is the name that pops in my mind. No? Okay. You're, you're thinking, I think, a little too much into it. Of course I am. It's me. Yeah. Yeah. My brain is like a consistent rabbit hole. I'll just keep going down and <laughs> coming out. I figured, yeah, you would have a long, a little bit of a long way to go when you guess Reggie Jackson on the first one. Uh, wasn't a stretch. Because he got one of the bigger contracts that stretch, time. But, like, comparatively speaking, it's a bit of a stretch. I don't know. Cooch, got any, got any guesses? I, do. I couldn't tell you. Uh, I mean, I don't even know when – the contracts got so out of hand to even know when the first million dollar annual value was. But if you're saying, what what are you saying makes you say Reggie Jackson? He got a, was he one of the bigger first, like. Yeah. When he left, when he left Oakland to go to New York, he had signed at that time. It was like one of the richest contracts in baseball history. Yeah, I think um, it was that, like, that would have been, I guess, after when he signed that contract. It would have been after this one for sure. I don't know. Let me let me let me check on that. Let me check on that old baseball reference page already. Um, no, no, it would have been two years after Reggie went to the Yankees. Because what what was his contract on that one? Does it show? Um, uh, Reggie did not have a million dollar contract until eighty two. Um, he signed with the Yankees for five hundred twenty five thousand dollars. So he signed with the Yankees in seventy seven. Oh. So now your answer is between seventy seven and eighty two. I really thought Reggie's contract was valued at more than that. I thought it was. Uh, I'm, hmm. So between 77 and 82. No, I'm not Googling the answer. I'm just looking at Reggie Jackson's contract. Sure. Reginald mm-hmm. Martinez Jackson. Original. Can we get some clues here? I'm giving you clues. It's a pitcher between 77 and 82. Obviously, he's one of the better of all time. 3.5 over 5, yeah. Okay. It was still a hefty contract at the time. Um, I don't know. I'm all out. Nothing? No. Man, Nolan Ryan. On the first million dollar contract, and basically, I like that was low hanging fruit. That's why I didn't go there. Told you to think too much into it. Yeah, well, again, it's Ryan. Me. 
It's me. Seven freaking no hitters. It Maybe took it him long 19, enough to 1979. He signed it with uh, with the California Angels, actually. Uh, I believe, actually. Wait. Sorry, the Astros. Astros signed him to that. That was after his stint with the Angels. Um, all right, second. Who is the only team in AL history with 100 wins four times in a five-year span? Four year, uh, five year span, four hundred win seasons. The Red Sox. Nope. The Oakland A's. Nope. I don't know why I'm so stuck on Reggie Jackson today because I definitely thought it happened when Reggie was there and they won back to back World Series that they won hundred games and like that stretch. Uh, Houston Astros. Yep. And that was more recent. Yeah, the Houston Astros. Yep. So not including 2020 because you obviously cannot win 100 games in that year. Um, dating back to 2017. So 2017, 101 wins. 2018, 103. 2019, 107. They took a break in 2021 by only winning 95 games. And then this year they're up to 104 wins. Yep. So. A little bit of tidbit of trivia for you. All right. I still feel like, still feel like Reggie Jackson is the answer to everything. Oh, Reggie. <laughs> his, his role in bench warmers will never be forgotten. Um, surprise players from the NL West. Let's do it. Let's start. So, obviously, Coots, you start us off. Mike, yes, you are second. I'll round it out. The Dodgers. What do you got? Dodgers. I'm going to go with an easy one. I usually don't take an easy one, but with this one, with the Dodgers, I'm going to say Tony Gonsolin just because I don't think – yes, he was okay. Yes, he was serviceable, serviceable coming into the year. I think we all thought that. But he kind of obviously overshot all of our expectations, especially in the first half. He's kind of not – he's kind of leveled off this second half. I think he, he missed a few starts in the second half. Um, but obviously the first half he was spectacular. Um, obviously an all-star in in uh Dodger Stadium, which was pretty cool, but he also did lose the game for the NL. So that's that was something uh ironic I found uh when in the all-star game. But yeah, I'm gonna say Tony Gonsolin, um kind of filling in the gaps for the Bu- the loss of Bueller and uh Dustin May not being there early. So I'm I'm saying Tony Gonsolin just for patching the holes in the starting rotation for the Dodgers that honestly didn't even really need him, but it's he is definitely a good to have. Okay. Yeah. So I'm gonna follow behind you with another pitcher. Um no, don't take it. Yep, I'm gonna take it. Please. No, sorry, gonna take it. Tyler Anderson. Tyler Anderson. Um, fifteen and five with a two point five seven, coming from a guy who is a career uh, forty four and forty three with a four point one six. So if you take away his when if you take away his record from this year, he came into the season. I want to say that's twenty nine and thirty eight. Um, 
with a career area over four, but he's been able to just kind of settle in and, you know, on a one-year prove-it deal. So crazy thing is somebody's going to throw him a decent contract this offseason um, off of this one year. Um, but 15 and five, 2.57. And Coach, the only part I would kind of, I would say disagree with you on is the fact that they didn't need Gonsolin um, or really saying that they didn't need Anderson either. Like on coming into the year, they had a few question marks in their rotation. Um, so they definitely needed these guys to perform. It's just they definitely exceeded expectations. Right. For sure. So. For sure. I agree with that. All right. Mine is going to hurt me a little bit, but um, it's going to be someone that probably not many people in America have ever heard of, but it's going to be Trace Thompson. Uh, it is Trace Thompson is Clay Thompson's brother, for those of you that don't know. Um, he got traded from the Tigers to the Dodgers in June, I believe it was. Uh, which was, uh, I believe it was just cash considerations. He was just kind of floating around in AAA for a while for the Tigers, wasn't really doing much. Um, comes to the Dodgers, and in the first year or the first little bit, he um, was okay, batted 290 in, in June, um, with one home run, and then in July, batted 290 again with three home runs. August, he batted 319 with over 1,000 OPS. Um, with three home runs and 12 RBIs. And in that span of, oh, excuse me, with nine RBIs in August, um, in that span of August, the Dodgers lost, I believe, five games the entire month. And that is when they kind of took their chokehold on the rest of the league is when kind of everybody started heating up. So Trace Thompson was very surprising and fitting into that outfield and becoming a guy that they just, I mean, he just – dominated as a unsung hero for them. Um, and even in September, he had five home runs, 12 RBIs. He batted less than 200, which is not, you know, ideal. But um, right now he's pretty hot batting 750 in the month of October in three days. So um, Trey Thompson, yeah. It pains me, though, because the Tigers just give away people that turned out to be good for other teams. That's all. All right, the San Diego Padres. This one, this is tough. Yeah, it is. This one was very tough. Mike, you're starting us off here. Uh, like, no lie, this one is tough. Um, gosh, like, who is... This is really tough. Uh, I guess the first one jumps out is Joe Musgrove. Mm -hmm. um, to throw, yeah, it is. Like, he had a good year last year or respectable year last year. Um, but for him to – I guess the reason it's more so surprising for me is – to see him repeat it, like to have the repeated success that he's having, um, or at least improve on that. Because he's always kind of struggled low four guy, you know, ERA, but to drop it almost a run or so um, is impressive, you know, and he's becoming, he's basically becoming what Pittsburgh 
would have wanted him to be. And that's sort of like the heart of their team, at least their pitching staff. Like, is he their uh, best pitcher? No, but for him to be a, a San Diego guy or near, you know, from that area, um, he's becoming like their heart and their heart of their team. Um, so that's why he's my most surprising player. All right. Um, the only one that I could really think of was Jake Cronenworth. Um, he, he's gradually gotten a little bit worse as his career has gone on, as his three-year career has gone on. Um, batted 285 in his first year, 266 last year, and now this year he's batting 239 with just a 724 OPS. Um, he's got 17 homers and 85 RBIs, which just sounds pretty good for a second baseman, but – um, compared to what he has been, this is why it's surprising is because he's just not – has not been as good as he was. So I think it surprised the Padres a little bit to not have their um, phenomenal second baseman that they always had. Yeah, Mike, you're right when it, you're saying it's kind of tough to pick out somebody for this team considering they are a playoff team – yeah. Um, but I'm going to say kind of an obvious one, but Manny Machado, um, he has been kind of what's pushing this offense to wins in, in many games. He's actually having somewhat of a career year. If you look at it from a war perspective, he's putting up his highest war, um, he's got 30 plus jacks, which he's obviously done plenty of times, but he, without him, this offense is very, um, I just think it's, it's just not, it's not intimidating in a way, but with him in the middle of the lineup, it kind of puts a wrinkle in things, makes people have to plan out a little bit more about how they approach their offense, but he's batting 294 with, 32 homers and already over a hundred. Um, I say already as if we're still in the middle of the year, but uh, yeah, he's at a hundred RBIs, but um, yeah, I think Manny Machado has kind of been what's gotten this Padres team to where they, where they're at now. Yeah. And especially filling in a hole for their young, uh, perhaps undisciplined shortstop and his decisions. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, not a, not the smartest of decision makers. He's young. That's what they say. That's 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 the, what they're saying is why he did it. All right. All right. Yeah, I mean, if that's what you want to stick with. <laughs> that's what, that's what the, that's what Padres fans are sticking with. All right. All right. All right. San Francisco <laughs> Padre or ooh, San Francisco Giants. We're all going off the rails here. Um, uh, I'm going to go with Tyro Estrada. Thank uh, it. He kind of leads in almost all, all offensive categories. He's leading in average, stolen bases, on-base percentage, slugging, obviously OPS, hits. Um, you name it, he's been pretty good. Um, so he is batting 260 on the year with 14 homers, 62 RBIs, 21 bags. Um, it's a pretty solid year for a guy that not many people had ever even heard of before coming into this year. And a team that is that didn't necessarily 
repeat what they did last year and surprising everybody. Um, but instead, missed out on the playoffs. He was, I guess, a lone bright spot for them. Hoots, it's on you, brother. All right. Well, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Joey Bart is kind of my surprisingly not as good as we thought he was going to be uh pick. Uh I think coming into the year, coming off the year they had last year, a lot a lot of people thought that Joey Bart was going to do a better job of filling in the whole posey role, uh which obviously are big shoes to fill, but he's definitely not helping himself out. Uh, he was I think the second highest catching prospect obviously behind Adley, but He's not having anywhere close to a year that uh, Adley's having. Uh, he's batting 215. Doesn't even have – he hasn't even accumulated a, a single run of war. Uh, I mean, his WRC plus is below 100. I mean, he's just average at best, I guess. I mean, nowhere close to what many thought he was going to be and not what I thought he was going to be at all, so – I mean, ideally, he'll be able to to get things together and and you know become a guy for this team, but it it wasn't this year. So, a guy that is becoming a guy for them. Uh, and I was trying not to pick a pitcher again, um, but Brian took my pick. So, um, Camilo Duvall. Like he's becoming a guy for them that you think, hey, if they can piece it together, the not necessarily the full front end of games because Carlos Rodon's had a good year. Um, I'm blanking on Webb's first name, but Logan. he's had it. Who? Logan Webb. Logan. Yes, I don't know. I got to call him Tyler. That wasn't the right one. Um, <laughs> but uh, Rodon, even though he's on, like he's going to be gone after this year, but you still got. Uh, Logan Webb, who, you know, replicated what he did before. But Camilo Duvall being on the back end of that bullpen, now you find some other pieces there. Um, he can definitely be a guy for you. Uh, electric stuff out of the bullpen, you know, and for him to be as young as he is in handling at least those responsibilities, um, you know, has shown a lot. So, um, By the way, just funny timing, uh, Trace Thompson just hit a home run. <laughs> Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Uh, yeah, Camelia Duvall, I mean, he throws fuego, um, to say the least. He's he's pretty dang good. Um, might be a kind of a closer of the future. He just won September reliever of the month, I believe, in the National League. So uh, we'll see what the, if the Giants are able to kind of rebuild, reconstruct that offensive line uh, lineup that they've got. Um, they might actually become something again because then they've got the back end of the bullpen squared away. Um, the Arizona Diamondbacks, Coots. If you take it, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> that's it. That's like the that's like the unwritten rule here. No, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do Christian Walker. Um. Oh, good. We all three have a different one. This is good. Kind of, kind of an under the radar. Uh, I think coming into the year. And throughout the year, I think a lot of these West Coast guys on mediocre teams kind of go unnoticed a lot of times for us out here on the on the East Coast. But 
Um, obviously, we know about them, but uh, many, many mainstream fans that aren't diving into the weeds as much as, as we are, but Christian Walker has 36 bombs and batting 240 and leads er, second on the team in war behind Dalton Varsha, who gets a little bit of a like special treatment with the, his, his catching and defensive versatility. So that little, that war statistics, a little juiced, but Christian Walker's is just straight up power uh, being fueled into that offense because of him. So I think the Diamondbacks are in a really good position for the future with their prospects and guys coming up and, and showing out. I'm sure one of you guys are going to say, uh, I know who Mike's going to say, but I think Brian, I think, I think Brian's going to say another piece that I hope they hold on to that could, could uh, make their future a little, little brighter and easier in the in the road ahead so i don't know if i am saying the person you think i am i don't know I hope. well i was thinking of zach gallon so okay all right yeah. <laughs> yeah. um i agree with you as far as uh christian walker being that guy for them <clears throat> i think that they were able to find in some ways a bridge from um goldschmidt you know who was there who was their franchise for, for the time that he was there, you know, bridging over to finding an adequate or at least somewhat in the ballpark type of replacement for him there. You know I mean? Uh, Christian Walker is probably going to hit for more power, you know, over the span of his career there, but he's obviously not going to play at least the defense and the other things that we've seen from Goldie, but definitely a good piece for him to build off of. But my most surprising player um, is one Joseph, Mantiply, um, all-star reliever for the Diamondbacks, friend of the show. Um, he's a journeyman, like, okay, I can't necessarily say journeyman. Late bloomer, you know, a really good breakout type of year that, you know, and with the way he throws, he can pitch at this level for, you know, a few more years at, like, this all-star level, right? Um because he's not predicated on velocity, it's location, movement, you know, and he's got that little crossfire delivery that kind of sneaks up on lefties, you know, but also gets righties out. Um, <clears throat> so, no, I've just been honest, and I'm we're friends or, or acquaintances of Joe to say that we saw him having like an all star year, uh, you know, even from when he was on to the beginning of the year. Probably not all star, but we did kind of get the third base dugout rub again. You know, <laughs> another MLB player that came on and then later had a good season. So, you know, he's throwing, yes, the record looks a little weird, but he's a reliever, two and five with a 2.85 ERA. Um, but more importantly, made the all star team. And like I said, I, you know, shout out to Joe. Shout out to Joe. Shout Joe out Bird. to Joe. All right, I'm going to go with Zach Gallon. Um, Gucci, you were right. 27 years old. I thought he was younger than this, but um, what really stands out to me post all, so pre all star break, he had a 3.56 year, right? Which is very serviceable there. Um, post all star break, he went 8 and 1 with a 1.27 ERA in 13 starts, um, 85 innings pitched. Um, as soon as I can get his strikeouts for him, he had 41, only 41 strikeouts, or excuse me, 97 strikeouts in those 80, 
85 innings pitched. Um, people, uh, they batted 150 against him post All-Star break. Um, he was just a stud over the last couple months of the season. Now, given there's nothing to show for it because the rest of the team isn't great. But um, Zach Gallon was hurt, I believe, a little bit last year but it was uh, really good in the past. And I, th- I think he's going to be kind of become a guy and might even become a trade piece of the Diamondbacks can compete soon. So Colorado. This right. should be a layup. Zach Gallon, another uh, St. Louis Cardinal product. Yeah. Yeah. You said a layup for, for Colorado? Yeah, this should really be a layup. Does this start with me? It does. Um, surprisingly bad, Chris Bryant. Dang. <laughs> I don't know if that was the layup you were looking for. Yeah, but... it was. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, I <laughs> caught the layup. Caught the lob. Uh, yeah. Like the money that they spent on him. Like I tried to rationalize it in the off season because it was, hey, you just traded Nolan Arenado. You didn't resign Trevor Story. But then you give this money to Chris Bryant. And then he proceeds to hit you no home runs at home. Like, he had five homers all year. They were all on the road. I mean, granted, yes, he hit 306 during that time. But you don't really pay a guy like Chris Bryant to hit for a high average. Like, you pay for him to hit the ball over the wall or in the gap. And he just didn't do it this year. Like, yes, you can talk about the injuries or whatnot. But I think it's more so all the surrounding stuff of – you brought you brought him in at a point where your organization was in a state of flux. Like, did you think that he was really going to be the person to kind of write that ship for you? Um, so yeah, surprisingly bad. The fact that Chris Bryant did not deliver for the Rockies this year. Yeah, um, that was mine. Uh, he did not hit a single home run in Coors Field, as we all expected before the season. Somehow you get traded to Coors Field, which is the just launching pad in baseball, and you do not hit a single home run there your entire first season. Um, so that sucks for him. But I'm going to go on the bright side and a good storyline to go with it. Um, a guy who's come back from so much from having I mean, the yips to just barely even playing baseball anymore. Now he's back and was a top closer in all of baseball this year. I'm going to go with Daniel Bard. Um, Daniel Bard had 33 saves, uh, had a 1.82 ERA this season. So, um, this guy pitched for the Red Sox, some ended up, uh, getting the yips and, um, ended up basically working his way back into the minor leagues, came back and now is the closer of the Rockies and pitched with a sub two ERA out of the back end of the bullpen. So props and- to him. And got a nice contract extension. Yes, he did. So props to him. As um, yeah, Daniel Bard. You so stole mine, Brian. Um, geez, I'm gonna say I liked not this. It might be a homer pick because I have him on fantasy, but uh. CJ Crone kind of being a mainstay in the lineup. I, I'm saying this more for just 
kind of maybe a CJ Crone fan. I don't know why I'm a, like, I, I just like this guy so much, but him having an ability to like not be in a, like a rotational player in a lineup and having him be a mainstay in the lineup. I think that would be good for him. And I don't think necessarily he's, I don't think he's fallen off. I don't think his season, his career is going to be done. And I don't think it is done in Colorado. I think he, he's going to work his way into going somewhere soon out of, out of Colorado, ideally. So it, it sucks to say that Colorado is kind of just like, a break in a lot of guys' careers and maybe you like work your way back into a new contract. But I think that's kind of where a lot of guys are. That's why I was super surprised to see Chris Bryant go there. I think everybody was a little thrown off by that whole situation, but obviously it hasn't come to fruition at all. So yeah. Um I I'd I'd like to say CJ Crone surprisingly bad considering the start he had. I'll say I say Connor Joe. Um but CJ Crone, I mean, he's got 29 pops. He's batting 260, which, I mean, it's, I mean, it's that's higher than you'd consider a uh, a guy that you know sells out for power. So, I think he's a little bit more dynamic than a lot of people think. Um, obviously, he kind of sucks defensively, but I don't think that's really what they signed him for. And you're not really, I think, I think first base and and DH wise, he'll he'll be serviceable and. He's he was good. I mean, he was an all star. So, yeah, I think uh, like I like CJ Crown. I'm a big fan of his. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. All right, well, let's talk a little postseason action, huh? So, let's go into the playoff picture as it stands right now. So, this is assuming it does not move, which it doesn't have a lot of room to anymore, other than um, a few seedings here, here and there. So that. Um, I might be jacked up, but what we're going to do is as it stands right now, because that is the most likely option with what two days left in the season. So as it stands right now, we'll go, we'll start with the national league, the um, Braves and the Dodgers will get a bye. The Cardinals will play the Phillies and the um, Mets will play the Padres. And those Mets, Padres, and Cardinals, Phillies series, I believe, are three games, correct? Yes. Right. Yep. And the higher seed hosts all three. Okay. That's what I that's what I thought. Okay. So let's start with Mets Padres. Coots. How about we go? We'll, we'll go in the same order here. Are we just giving picks or are we giving some sort of like analysis with we'll this? Give picks, because... uh, team to win the series and in how many games? Give give some analysis too. Why not? Okay. Well, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Mets here. Um, I said I honestly one of the first episodes I was on, I we were asked Shelly and I, Mike asked Shelly and I who's the who do you think is gonna get into the wild card and NL? And I I said that the Padres were not gonna get in. I don't think they're really – I'm going to stand by that. I mean, yes, they're, they've obviously earned their way into it. They've played well enough to be in it. But, I mean, I, I think the, the Mets will will get back on track after this, pa- this, this past weekend. I think that's going to stick in their head for a little bit. This, not just losing the series, but getting swept in the manner that they did. I think it kind of took a lot of bre- – took a lot of life out of them. But – I think the Padres – I think they match up well against the Padres, and 
will be able to to provide life for the fans and themselves in this series. So, I mean, obviously, you got to give the Mets the edge on the pitching side of things. And, I mean, the Mets are top five against righties. And in two games – in my in my theory, who do you okay? So let's let's do that. Who do you think it, the the Padres are gonna start game one, game two? It's got to be Musgrove and Darvish. Darvish. Yeah, I that's think what, it's got to be. I, I think it's got to be in that order. What'd you say? I think it's got to be in that order. Yeah, I mean, and and the Mets are top five against righties. Yeah, I mean, it's it's which is surprising because they really struggle to get left-handed hitters early in the year. Right, right, and it is surprising, but. Comparative to the Padres pitching, I just don't think they have enough to to slow the Mets bats down for for a three game set. Yeah, maybe they'll sneak one out, but I mean it's not gonna it's not gonna take much for the Mets to um to get by the Padres. I'd be more worried about you know obviously facing the Dodgers, but uh, who wouldn't be worried about facing them? So yeah, I think I think the Mets offense faces up well against the Padres pitching. Mike, what was your what you said? In how many games? I mean, I'll say two. I'll say two games. Two, two games, sweet. Um, I'm gonna go Mets, but I'm gonna go Mets in three. And I think a lot of that comes down to who pitches the first couple games for the Mets. Because they just threw DeGrom and Scherzer. My opinion, they're still fighting for a division because it's different. Like, them winning the division gets them a bye. Um, But if in this case where we're going off of just who they're playing right now, I would give the Padres a more fighting of a chance, a puncher's chance. Um, because I don't know if you're going to face Scherzer and DeGrom in that same series, depending on how the regular season ends for them. Um, but we've already talked about how the Padres offense isn't that inspiring, but we do have to take into account though, that Juan Soto can probably win them one game by himself. Um, it's he's on a big stage. Like, yeah, he didn't have like necessarily the eye popping regular season numbers, but the guy performs well on the big stage. So I think in the playoffs, he can win you a game um, by himself. So I'm going to go Mets in three. Um, I'm going to, I wrote down Mets in three as well. Um, the way DeGrom is pitching right now, I, it just scares me a little bit. I don't, I don't know what his blister situation is heading into Friday. So will he wait and like, will Scherzer be the starter Friday? Um, and then who, who is that third guy and where are they going to get production from? So I trust the three in the Padres rotation more than I trust the three in the Mets rotation, if that makes any sense. Um, or actually, let me rephrase that. I, I trust the two in the Padres rotation more than I trust the three in the Mets rotation. So if the ground doesn't go Friday or Saturday, I trust Darvish to win a game over Chris Bassett. And so, um, and and I mean, shoot, if Degrom is going to pitch to an to eight earned runs over his last ten innings, 
they're not winning any games uh, with him on the mound. So um, I think that Padres can can sneak one with Musgrove or Darvish on the mound. And then I think Mike Clevenger or Sean Mania will, which, I mean, you got to think whoever doesn't start that third game comes out of the bullpen in either of the first two. Um, so, I mean, you don't have to worry too much about the bullpen issue because you know you got your – You've got some pretty solid three, four, five starters in the Padres rotation, um, but I think they might squeak one. But I think the Mets ultimately get it because their their pitching staff overall and their hit. I mean, just overall, they're a better team. And being in in New York, I think it's pretty beneficial. Yeah. Would you Would you throw Snell in a game three? I'd throw him in a. I'd throw him as a reliever. I think I'd throw. I think I'd probably throw. Manaya as a game three. Here's um well Snell's got good postseason experience, but Snell has been so inconsistent. Manaya has been relatively consistent. So is Mike Clevenger. Um so it you know what's crazy is they have five guys that you could reasonably or really three guys that you could reasonably say, hey, you're gonna start game three. Um in reality though, I don't see them giving it to Snell. I mean, he does have a 3380 ERA, which is a lot better than I thought it was. So that's pretty good. Mike Clevenger right now has a 433. So I guess he probably won't get it. Shamanaya, a 515. That's their since I last looked at all of their ERAs, they have completely flipped on their head. So yeah, Blake Snell will get the three. Yeah, that's why that's why I kind of grunted when you said I I low key would make an argument to throw Snell in game one. No, no, why? That postseason experience, and that's just me. I would I would go with that route, knowing that if I don't like, I still have some sort of the point that you hit on. Like, I have better fallback options than the Mets do. Like, the Mets pretty much have to line up to throw Scherzer for game one. Would um, you – is this in a way of not sandbagging game one but being more confident in a better arm game two and game three, given the fact that you'll have lost the Scherzer game, you feel like like Snell and Musgrove would be better versus whoever they start game two and three? Yeah. So like I said, it's not it's not just throwing away game one, but you're like, hey, right? If, who, yeah. who gives me a better shot right here? Um, you know, to possibly steal that game. And Snell has shown glimpses of it, you know, even still this year, where he can be, you know, borderline dominant, you know, for a few inning stretch, right? So if you say, Go I give me five to six, I trust him more than then probably Musgrove. You Darvish would be still slated game two for me, but I would probably go with Snell as my game one guy. And he's a lefty. Yeah. So, but I, again, I still picked the Mets as a, that one was tough to do because we all know how much I don't like the Mets this year, mm-hmm. but that was a tough one and I'll stick with it. Although I may change it in a text on Friday, but for right now, <laughs> we go with the Mets. Still sticking with the Mets in three. All right. Cardinals, Phillies. Um, 
Good. I want to ask Mike what he thinks the pitching would be for the for the Cardinals. Uh, Jordan Montgomery probably throws game one. Um, Jordan Montgomery and then Michael is probably game two. I like that. That's literally what I wrote down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, those I think that's who's gonna be game one and game two. Um but I'll let you give your prediction on how many or who you think wins and, and how many games, and then I'll follow up. I think the big thing would be knowing what the what the Phillies would do pitching wise. Because obviously they're a little bit more top heavy pitching than the Cardinals yeah. are. So if yeah, you no. take if you take that same same Padres route where you throw your three versus their one, and then you get your one versus their two, and then your two versus their three. I think that might be the route that Philly could take. And Nola just threw tonight. So yeah. That would put him at Saturday. Yeah. If if you're going on a normal rest, I would put yeah. him at like Saturday to throw again. Right. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah, Saturday would be his normal rest day. So, you know, you're looking at possibly Zach Wheeler Friday. I'm about to look. Um, but the third, my, I mean, the third that I would have for the Phillies, I mean, it would have to be Ranger Suarez, right? Yeah, I think so. I can't think of anybody else. Eflin? Kyle Gibson, is it? Uh, Kyle Gibson could, but I think he's been really bad, wouldn't he? Isn't he? So, the thing is, and it, okay, there's no mystery about who I'm picking, right? But I don't know if you throw Kyle Gibson against the Cardinals. He struggled against us the times we faced him. Like, he gave up, like, five homers one game. You know, the next, like, he got roughed up and then settled down. I would think that you would probably go if you had to push to a game three, or if you got to push to a game three, that it would probably be um, probably Eflin if he's still is he still healthy? No. I think I I think it's either going to be Suarez or Syndergaard. Sin, okay, Syndergaard would probably be your better option. The reason Suarez, I say Suarez is the better ERA, but against lefties, yeah. the, the Cardinals kill. Mash, so. mash like, and I don't know if you really want him facing. Um, really our whole lineup, you know, facing lefties because we do, ma they do mash lefties, you know, so that's including Arenado, Goldschmidt, Pujols, uh, Dylan Cross, I said it's lefties better, so does Tommy Edmond, you know, so you don't really get any breaks throughout there. Um, you have a better shot with a righty that has a little bit more velo. Um, so I would probably say Syndergaard probably throws that third one there. Yeah, Nola or sorry, Wheeler threw yesterday, so he'll be good by Friday. Friday, yeah, and the, and the fact that they won tonight and it locked up them being in the playoffs, so these next couple games are just going to be, you know, get work days. So it's yeah, not ex really exhibition for the bullpen. Yeah, you know, starters similar to how the Cardinals did tonight. You know, where you're piggybacking guys just to kind of keep them getting their work. Um, but obviously you're like, Hey, if we win, we win great. If not, you know, this is setting up for, for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, yeah. But who, so who was your, who was your pick? And then how many? I'll say, 
gosh. I, I Sorry, Mike, but I'm going to say – I'm saying the Cardinals, but I'm saying in three. That's reasonable. I will – you know what? I will meet you on that one as well. Just because, I mean, Nola and Wheeler, you got to expect one of them is going to pop out and being on top of that a righty that – I mean, not saying – the Cardinals suck. And it's not, not saying they're, they're bad against righties, but they are better at hitting lefties. Yeah. So them having two elite arms, maybe one and a half uh, um, elite arms as a righty, I think they could yeah. – it would be, it'd be good for, for St. Louis to win game one. Let me say that. Be, if they could win game one, I would feel – like way too comfortable about the whole series. Yeah. Um, and I share that. So I won't even fanboy it out. Like it's going to be looking very realistic on it. Um, I could see it going through because I think that, that Saturday, um, that Saturday matchup with Nola is going to be a tough one. Um, even though Michaelis can match him, you know, and go out and throw just as well. Um, it's a little bit of a difference when, one guy is getting outs by contact and another guy is getting those same outs by strikeouts. Yeah. Uh, offensive is a little bit more deflating because you're like, hey, all right, we go out one, two, three, play good defense, come back in, he's punching out guys left and right um, with so much nasty stuff that Nola has <laughs> that that Saturday game would be tough. But then you also look at the flip of that and you say you get to game three. <clears throat> Even though Wainwright has struggled – you know, coming down the stretch, I still trust him in a big game to compete and give me the best chance. You know, so if he's having to throw game three, I'm not mad at it. Yeah. So I would, I'll still say us in three. One of the more interesting things I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing is how much Philly will, how long of a leash will they give their starters considering how much trust they have in their bullpen is what I'm saying. I, I, I want to see how much trust they give their bullpen in, in a playoff game, knowing that they like, haven't been a stellar bullpen all year. Basically, I like the – I feel like the overall game plan for the Phillies is like have Aaron Nola give us seven, eight innings in game one and That's hope right. that we outslug them in games two and three. Yes. It's like, uh, that has to be basically the only way that the Phillies even sniff winning this series, I think. And that's why, I mean, I, I the bullpen is so bad. The, I mean, Wayno versus Noah is going to be a great matchup. It's going to be tough to, to win against both Nola and Wheeler. But I'm going to go Cardinals in two um, because of how horrendously bad the Phillies have played over the stretch. Um, I just – I think that they're getting worse at the wrong time, and I think they have a quick exit in, C in St. Louis. Yeah. And I <clears> – <throat> I can I can concede all of those points. I think that what you especially look at is with a guy like Jordan Montgomery, but then also having um, Jose Quintana, Stephen Matz, uh, Jojo Romero, 
those guys being able to kind of negate or limit uh, Schwarber and Harper from the left side, you know, makes it tough, you know, that you have three or four different looks that you can throw out there out of the bullpen, you know, but then you still have on the flip of that for righties, you have Gallegos, Helsley, who's an all-star, Chris Stratton, who's come over and thrown really well, um, you know, and then Jack Flaherty, is going to probably come out of the bullpen, you know, during the postseason. So you have a lot more bullpen help and pitching depth from the Cardinals side that can make the difference. So as long as it's it, – I mean, the Cardinals can slug with them, but I think that as long as it doesn't get out of hand and you're saying, hey, close playoff baseball game, how do we make this line up? I do favor the Cardinals. Um, and I would say that even as a non-biased fan, just from looking at the roster makeups. For sure. I think that's going to be the difference is the yeah. pitching depth. Yeah. yeah Which the Phillies have played as Phillies played the Cardinals pretty tough all year. But I still don't think that would be enough in the playoffs. All right. Let's get on to the American League. Let's – the two matchups that we're looking at right now will be Cleveland and Tampa Bay in Cleveland and then Seattle and Toronto in Toronto. Um, well, let's start with Cleveland, Tampa Bay. Coots? This is tough for me. Tough. I think this is going to be one of the tougher or the, the more tight series that we see here in the wild card. Um, I lean, I lean Cleveland. I like their bullpen better and I, well, I, I, I'd say I like their bullpen better. I like the race starters better. Despite Cleveland starters being a little more – they have a little bit more depth than the starters because I can see Bieber, McKenzie, Quantrill, yeah, right? That's who yeah. you – not, maybe not in that order. That's, that's just I the think three, probably, I, I think three guys that would go. Bieber, McKenzie, Quantrill, perhaps – Bieber, Quantrill, McKenzie, or yeah, I don't it, think there's any other pitcher that could slot into there. No, and then on the flip side of that, I'll take whatever whatever the Rays come up with. It it's gonna probably work based on what how whatever they do. I mean, I'll, whatever they've done all season to get to this point, it's obviously working. So by way of you know McClanahan going at some point. Blast now coming in at some point, even if he's not starting, which ideally this week and this whole past week um, has been building him up to start a playoff game, I'd imagine. Um, obviously, if he's not ready to start, he'll come in at some point. Um, and then I don't – I mean, who do you start game three if you're if you're the Rays? It's – I got Jeffrey Springs, who's been okay. Kluber, who's been okay. Um, I think the the difference there is Springs is a lefty and Kluber's a righty, which the Cleveland actually is really, really bad against lefties. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but they were really re bottom five in uh, the X, the, the, the Woba. I don't know. Okay. So Mike, it's a Woba advanced metric stat, but <laughs> bottom five, the bottom five in Woba, and it that's kind of a good <laughs> a good tell all of how a offense and, and how dynamic they are and 
Yeah, they, yes, they don't strike out, but they aren't going to hurt you too bad. And why, watch me say this, and they put up the most home runs ever. Right. But, um, I, I like the Rays starters more, but I, I just love the back end of the, the Cleveland Guardians bullpen and just – the offenses are a toss-up, in my opinion. I mean, I don't know what you guys think about that, but I'm going to go Cleveland in three. Uh, I'm going to go – this is a tough one. It's a tough one. Part of me wants to say Raisin three. Because I feel like that is still going to be some creative way that they find to win. Exactly. Like I said, the lineups are going to be a toss up. You know, you're going to, eh, um, but it'll be something creative, at least pitching wise, you know, from the race. Because really, it's like they're sort of not tied to any one starter besides McClanahan, right? So at any given point, you would figure that somebody else may jump out of the bullpen. So even a guy like Drew Rasmussen, you know, could come out the bullpen or start a game or vice versa. So, um, ah, gosh, okay. So if I had to pick, I'm going to go Raisin 3. Go Raisin 3. Part of me wants to say Cleveland 2, but I'm going to stick to my gut and go Raisin 3. I'm saying I'm saying Cleveland in 3, but – the Rays are winning the McClanahan game. McClanahan Bieber, you think think he wins? I don't, I don't even it doesn't even matter who the Guardians throw. Fair, fair. So maybe if they low key in the in in the bottom of their heart know that they, they don't really fare well against McClanahan, maybe that's when they throw whoever Watch they presu- that yeah, maybe that's who they when they throw who they presume to be the, their third guy which could be, you know, it's not necessarily always, oh, your one goes against the other one in game one. Like, if you want to be super strategic about it, maybe you would throw somebody you're not as high on against a guy you know you don't match up well against offensively. Because McKenzie threw tonight. McKenzie threw tonight for them. So, he would line up. For Saturday, so again, like if you're kind of tossing that Friday game out, excuse me. Well, Quantra throws tomorrow, which throws a wrench in everything. So yeah, I mean that that just goes to tell you that Beaver starts on Friday. Yeah, yeah. Which I wouldn't necessarily say Beaver's heads and toes better than Tristan McKenzie and, and even even Cal Quantra. I don't know if you guys know this. He's the longest streak. He has the longest unbeaten streak in MLB history. I think it's 40-something games he's unbeaten at home. Really? Yes. So, he will be pitching at home. Interesting. With that, with that streak on the line. <laughs> and now this would be the one he goes on and gives like an eight spot in the first <laughs> inning. <laughs> it does. I don't think it includes – like it's it's just wins. I think it negates like no decisions like – no decision is just nothing. Yeah, but just any, any, deci- any decision, it's been a win. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that's that just factors into my argument here because I'm going to say Cleveland in three. I think the Rays win game one, Cleveland wins two and three. 
Because I have no idea who Tampa is after Shane McClanahan. I trust Cleveland's offense and home field advantage and bullpen more than anything. I trust their bullpen more than anyone's in the entire league. I mean, you got to think you have to deal with uh, who, who's the who's the seventh inning guy because it goes Karen Jack and then Class A. Um, there's I think there's I feel like there's a three headed monster, but I can't remember who the third one is. Um, either way, they I mean, just getting to the eighth inning. If you're if you're losing in the eighth inning, you're done. You have no prayer. Because Karen uh Karen and uh Class A will probably not let you make contact in those six outs. So um you better hope you have the lead going into the eighth inning. So I uh I'll go Cleveland in three. Cleveland's got a little something to them this year. I don't know what it is, and it, it pains me to say, but they've got a little something to them. It always it's it's felt like the past few years when the Rays are in it, they're the team that's playing with nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of more so the Indians than the Rays this year. Or sorry, the Guardians this year than the Rays. I think this whole AL Central of the year has been just obviously a madhouse. And they despite winning it, we're not supposed to win it. Um, I think the Rays, the Rays underperformed, and then obviously the the Indians overperformed. So I think they're just coming in a little hotter. They've been more healthy throughout the year compared. To, I think the Rays have been the most injured team of the year, and it would have been a different story. Maybe maybe they would have been a lot higher in seeding if they were healthy, but this is the way the, I mean, this is where it's, it's fallen out for them. So hopefully they can do something with it, but I don't see it happening. Yeah. Glass, they Wait, timeout. Is glass now on the postseason roster? Pretty sure he threw today. Would he not be able to? I don't know if he's eligible. What makes somebody eligible? But I don't think they would have brought him back if he wasn't eligible, right? I don't see why they would, especially coming down the stretch. Why would they have him come in? And- yeah, so I shoot. Oh man, that might change it. Goodness. Um. Oh, I'm gonna stick to my gun. I'm not gonna go back on my word now. But that that really changes things because I didn't even think about the fact that Glass now is back. Um, but I'll, I'll stick with Cleveland in three. I think they win. Up, I think they win the back half of one of the first two games um, where McLean and Glass now get knocked out in the sixth or seventh inning. And all of a sudden a, a two run blast in the eighth wins it or something like that. I, I don't know. I think that's the, might be their only chance of winning one of those two games, but, um, and I don't know how, I don't know. If, I don't know if Glass now is going to be able to go like six or seven. No, yeah. no. And that's why I was saying before, even if he doesn't start, I wouldn't imagine he starts, honestly. Yeah. I mean, today he, he, he was old. Today he was amazing. I mean, three and two thirds, two hits, no runs, seven strikeouts against the Red Sox. Insane. Yeah. So, Glass now might be might be back and and uh in good form for playoff season. Um last one, Seattle and Toronto in Toronto. Are we picking America's team here? 
I like Seattle a lot. Yes, that is America. A lot. Team. Yeah, I do. I do too. The only thing I'm sad about is that we only get this series for three games. Yeah. Like I would have loved to see this in like a DS or CS where it's five or seven, but um yeah, I'm I'm riding with riding with Seattle. Run with Seattle. Yeah. So I guess we're I guess only the only question we have for each other is two or three games. I'm gonna go three. I'll tell you why. I think Alec Manoa is a different beast. And I was literally about to say uh, I think Alec Manoa throws like a seven innings, like no runs. I mean, I think he just comes to play in, in game one and my maybe game two. I don't know if Gossman might start game one for them. Um, but Seattle's pitching staff does not hold up, but and I, to be honest with you, there's no real good reason why Seattle should win. Right. Besides feel good, but like, they're awesome. So yeah. why wouldn't they win? Yeah. I think they should win. There's no good reason why they should. They're, they I, think they're pitch, starting, I think they're, I think their pitching is better than Toronto. They lose the starting pitching battle by a lot. Yeah. Okay. Well, mm. I wouldn't say it's. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know by a lot. I don't know if it's by a lot. Uh, with Castillo, okay, it makes it a little bit closer. Yeah, Ray with Castillo and Robbie Ray, Ray has been a little bit better. Um, Ray versus but, Manoa, I'll give you Manoa, but Castillo Gosman, I'll go Castillo. Easy. Yeah. So then it and pretty then much I'll lines go, up for game three. Then I'll go Gilbert versus Jose Barrios. Easy. Ooh, gosh, that's that's a so. I'll go Gilbert Ross Stripling. I'll go Gilbert over Ross Stripling. No, nah, I mean it'll definitely be it'll definitely be Jose Barrios for that one, yeah. and that's if they save him. Well, yeah, he'll he'll throw game three because yeah, Manoa and Gosman will flip flop either one or two, and then Barrios in game three. Which what you get there in that type of matchup? Let's say we're just gonna fast forward to game three, is a a rookie. You know, for all intents and purposes, and Gilbert, like first time on that big stage versus Barrios, who when they first traded for him was supposed to be like the ace of their staff. And then, you know, they signed Galsman and then Manoa comes on the scene. So it's definitely a nice little juxtaposition there between the two guys. That that series is going to be really good. Yes. Really good. Yeah, because be Toronto's fun. offense is is going to be, I mean, they're dangerous top to bottom. Uh, Seattle just pieces it together and just plays really good ball to keep them in games. Yep. Um, I guess what it comes down to is into the bullpens. Mariners, easy. Do you not think so? I don't know. Both you guys, see, you guys seem hesitant. They're Both not, bullpens but, are not phenomenal. No, but at least okay. Not that it really always matters in this particular thing, but who's who's the Mariners closer? Andres Munoz, Flexen, Seawald. Paul Seawald is I think they're gonna be there. Right. So Andre Menunez and, and then still got George Kirby, who isn't gonna start a game that has to come right. in. It will probably come in at some point. Right. Matt Brash. The I think the thing that makes you a little nervous is it's either Seattle's gonna be like that young team that's like Hey, we don't care. We're not supposed to be here. Or like some of those young players are like, ah, so what? Like we don't really care about the experience. Are you going to have where that light becomes too bright for them? Um, 
But with Toronto in the back end of their bullpen, at least you still have not that he's that much older, but uh Jordan Romano. Like Jordan Romano is back there, Adam Simber, who gives you a different look. Um so yeah, like I said, this one's gonna be I think this will probably be the most entertaining series out of all of the wild card ones. Um they'll probably have the most competitive games from top to bottom. So more importantly, the fact is playoff baseball now. Like, yeah. As much as I've enjoyed like talking to you guys all year long, this is the exciting part. Like, this is what we pod for. <laughs> you know, we get ready for this moment here to be able to go back and look at our or listen back to our preseason <laughs> uh, picks and see who got what right. <laughs> luckily, luckily, I didn't have any for you guys to bring. That is true. On. That is true. But I didn't ideally, pick. ideally with the Seattle Mariners, I would love to have J Rod be healthy all the way, fully healthy for them. Yeah, I would love. Um, I'd love to see the Mariners just win a playoff series just so they can get games at home. Yeah, because that feel win the wild card round so we can get games in Seattle because that stadium will be rocking. Yes, yes, it will. Like, they might break the sound record that the Seahawks set when Marshawn Lynch had that big run. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> imagine a late inning home run there. Like, Seattle might cause an earthquake that shifts it into the middle of the in the middle of the Pacific, but yeah. it'll be worth it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. All right. World Series picks. Got to do it before it starts. Everyone's pretty much locked into the playoffs after tonight. Oh, I thought I was going to have another week. Nope. Putting you on the spot. Oh, God. Um, I guess the biggest part for me is figuring out the American League team. <laughs> <laughs> the American League team we're going to beat. Um, wait, who did I just pick? Seattle? Oh, I'll pick Seattle. Okay. Um, I'm going to go... Yankees, Yankees, Mariners. I mean, not Yankees, Mariners. Uh, what am I talking about? Yeah, that's going to be my ALCS. Jumped out the window. Um, <laughs> Cardinals, Mariners, World Series. Cardinals winning six. Albert Pujols is World Series MVP. <laughs> and he hits three homers in game six. That would be incredible. That would be incredible. He's done it before in the World Series. Coots? I am going to say, gosh. Um, <laughs> to save my friendship with Mike, I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to say that the Cardinals Braves series will be the series of the playoffs. I can see that. But I'll say the Braves versus the Astros, and I'm taking the Astros. Oh, repeat. Yeah. A repeat matchup. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but well, then again, look, I could very, it could very easily be – I think whoever wins Braves-Cardinals ends up being the National League representative. Okay, cool. So this is like you're picking the Cardinals. So it's cool. We're, we're so good. 
it's a it's a powerful side of the bracket. It's like March Madness, just one side that's just right. better than every other side, every other one. Yeah. But despite saying that, I think the Astros. I, I, I'm taking the Astros. Ooh. I am gonna go right in between you guys. I'm gonna go Astros, Astros, Cardinals. Um, and I'm gonna go Astros and six. Did you give? Did you give <laughs> a uh, a Cardinals in in how many games, Mike? I did I said Cardinals and six uh-huh. over the Mariners? Not four. Yeah, no, because well, <laughs> let's see, let's see, because. <laughs> That in that in that hypothetical, the Astros would host game one and two, three and four would be back in St. Louis. Five, I think it's what two. Are you saying Astros or Mariners? No, I'm saying Mariners, but oh, Brian okay. picked Brian picked the Astros. Okay. Um, which would absolutely be like I wouldn't be mad at that because then every time that Pujols hits a home run in Houston. We can still see that clip again if when he shouted. Oh, Brad Lynch. Lynch. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> like he'll hit another one there, and it'll be they'll play it side by side and show show the reactions. Um, but thank you, Brian, for cursing our team because you're a Tigers fan and your team sucked this year. So the fact oh, you picked man. the Cardinals, which means that we can have some like high odds to overcome. <laughs> Oh, as if I just took an unnecessary shot there. Say it again. I feel like as I feel as if I took an unnecessary shot there. No, it's it's just that was a very un uncalled for jab at the Tigers. No, it it had merit though, right? It's it one is. of those things like when you're on a three man pod, we can't pick man. the same team. Like we can't pick similar teams. Like I had the I had the Cardinals. Going from the National League, Coots had Atlanta. Now you just whammied the Cardinals. So I don't. To be fair, I had no intention of pleasing you or making you happy with this pick in any way, shape, or form. (laughs) Clearly. I just crunched the numbers and and out came Astros over Cardinals. That's what your model says. That's what the model says. (laughs) The model that that had uh, Braves and Mariners in the World Series at the beginning of the year. So that's still alive. Just saying. So why not go with your pick? Because I don't trust the Mariners going all the way into the – I don't even trust them in the one one series that they're locked into. (laughs) It's okay. This is going to make this victory sweeter. Say it again. So this is going to make this victory sweeter now that, you know, we got to overcome the jinx of Brian. The ever so strong jinx. Right. You're right. Um, all right, guys. Well, make sure you go follow us on Twitter at Third Base Dugout. Next week, we will be recapping the wild card round and getting into the divisional round, which we are so, so excited for playoff baseball. So uh, stay tuned for next week. Stay tuned to the Twitter account at Third Base Dugout and uh, give us your picks. Let us know who you got in the World Series. Hopefully, you don't pick the Cardinals or else they might actually be doomed. Um, until then uh, one final time for the regular season clear eyes full hearts the Cardinals will not lose dang it Brian you just screwed this up <laughs> <laughs>